today we're talking all about open props and open source CSS props library with the one, the only Adam Argyle. Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io, visually build on your tech stack. What up, Adam? Yes. What's up? Like one person in the world knows who I am. No. Yeah, super famous. I got one fan. <laughs> you are a rock star. Oh Tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got started into development and, you know, how you got the cool skull hat character and all those fun things. Like, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Nice. Yeah, I'll do my best to not give you my life story. I've been writing HTML and CSS for over 20 years. Like, I'm 35, I think. I start. I started forgetting how old I am. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know. Well, I can do one or two off, and it's no big deal, right? Um, it's really yeah. hard when you lie to certain people your age, too. Like, yeah, I'm 40. Not really. But, <laughs> so like, I might as well be, right? At 15? That's insane. A little younger than that, yeah. So, oh I mean, yeah, 20 years is kind of rounding it um yeah i got started really young um building websites for my teachers in sixth and seventh grade uh in eighth grade i joined a really i guess i had a teacher at the junior high that was really advanced setting this it was a zero hour class so you had to show it before school but you could learn photoshop and dreamweaver uh and there, there were other tools back then like was it geo city no geo cities was a place for hosting what was the one by anyway were there there were other tools back then and I was studying those and I just liked, I liked both. I did design and development really early on. I was uh, like a hybrid brain or whatever. Um, I was just interested and mostly what I was making were like animated GIFs. So I was like hand painting frame by frame, moons oh. rising. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> wow. Uh, That's awesome. And then making sites, making sites for teachers. Teachers were like, this is my curriculum. Can you just make a site? We had an intranet. I managed the intranet. So I started doing like hosting and a little bit of server work. Um, Tell me you use Nobel. Yeah. What? Tell me you used Novell back then, please. I did not use oh. Novell. I'm sorry. We're about the same age. I'm 38, and I swear every every place I walked into, we had Novell logins, Novell networks. Like it was it was terrible. So wait, Novell was the FTP tool. I thought it did all network logins. Did it do all network connections? I remember Putty uh, was Putty like a after Novell. Um, I think Putty's in that FTP range ish. SSH FTP. This is yeah. Never mind. We'll just ignore all of that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, I memory lane is really fun. I'm super super down with memory lane, and now we're like too deep into the history. Anyway, I just, <laughs> after that, like I got out of it because computers weren't cool. Computers were for nerds, and I wasn't a nerd. Uh, I guess, although I, I embraced it later, but I, I stopped doing it. And then all of a sudden I was at a job I didn't like. And someone was like, we need our website edited. We'll pay $300 to whoever can edit it. And I was like, I'll try it. And I fixed it in a night, like in an hour or two. And I hadn't written code in years. Wow. And I was like, I just made money in my pajamas. Uh, and it was good. It was good, fast money. I was like, I need to do this more. And so I dropped that career and went back to school specifically for um, coding. I took an advanced like database and network administration courses, uh, learned Java, learned um, all sorts of languages, mostly backend and like data, like database management. And then as soon as I was like making little front ends, I was like, uh, how do you other students not care what it looks like? You keep delivering your work and you're like, look, it did 10 plus 10 C teacher. And you're like happy with the console logging 10. And I always did more, um, especially when we got into flash. Like when we got into flash, I was like, oh yes. Now I'm like connecting functionality and behavior to like animated little rock hands that sprang in and, you know, had all these different delays. And I was like, this is what I need to be doing. And so I transferred from computer science uh, into a design school. So I went to Art Institute of Seattle, where I eventually graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Interactive Media. So I studied making games, 3D, video editing you name it. And the whole time I was there, I had a job at an agency. So I got a job uh, in the field while I was also learning design. And then I was building design. I was just swimming in tech. Uh, and then the iPad one came out, the iPhone came out, we started making responsive web, uh, web 2.0. Uh, so I was there through all of that, through those first iPads, all those old apps we used to build, um, debugging them used to be impossible. Um, Anyway, so now we're here. And so I've worked at agencies, consultancies, 
big companies, small companies. I've been the CEO, well, not the CEO. I was like the CTO of a company. I was like pretty much leading the whole tech stack, um, which was on AWS. And so I have like a really big scalable cloud architecture background. Right. Um, I have a background on a lot of things, but what I love the most and where I spend all my time is on the front end. I just love making it tangible and beautiful. Like to me, you could make a car that's phenomenally powerful, but if you get in the seat and it, the seat is squeaky and the shifters <laughs> stiff, yo, it doesn't matter. Your car is like garbage to 90% of people. You're going to find specialists that are going to be like interested in its power, but everyone else doesn't care. So I really love this focus on like, what does it feel like um, bridging engineering and design? And yeah, I spent so much time implementing other designers, good designs. I started to accrue um, an eye about like what was good and what made it good. And I knew it from coding it and how to do it visually and so now here we are. Okay, so let's fast forward. I've been at Google like four years. I'm a developer advocate for CSS. I just love CSS. I think that it's the easiest language to get started with and the hardest one to master. And um, so I made open props as this sort of like an evolution of design tokens. Like design tokens really rocked everyone's worlds. They wanted to align designers and developers together. But the design token goal is very large and it wants to serve tokens to Android and iOS. It has this sort of multi-platform play and open props is all web. I wanted one that was like, tokens are cool, but they're static and tiny and they just hold a hex value. And I was like, as soon as you choose hex for your color system, you're automatically losing that out on some cool stuff that like HSL can do. So why don't we do a completely web centric custom property power packed library. Uh, and then uh, essentially the goal was, you know, since custom properties can hold anything, let's name all of the really amazing, powerful CSS things and just give it a name and a variable. We'll accrue all these. We'll make a little library and say, here, use all these six powerful shadows, say shadow one, shadow two, shadow three. You have no idea how they work. You don't care, but just know that they look beautiful for a good reason. They were architected that way. Yeah. And there's gradients and there's more. So it was like, what else in this world can we now name and put in a custom property and give to people to use freely amongst their web projects and uh, have beautiful things with ease? Uh, so anyway, so incredible that you had like 10 different careers and managed to come back because of your passion for CSS that you managed to make your way back that. And I was the same way. I had a graphic design background and didn't really get involved in it until I started learning to code. And then it was like bringing those designs to life that gave me that passion. And I love CSS for that reason too. And I'm super excited for where open props is going to take CSS props, CSS variables in general. So I'm kind of, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like you touched on one thing kind of throughout your history and Brittany's typically, she says, I'm a des designer who became a developer I'm a developer who can't design for anything, but we could attempt to say I learned CSS eventually. Um, where do you put yourself in that? Like, if, yeah. if you're kind of like, you're so passionate about that whole design piece, are you a designer that is that develops, or where, where do you put yourself on so, it? Great question. Great question. Um, you know, I put myself in the UX engineer bucket. Sure. I'm admittedly, especially knowing. Um, and I, I have friends that are UX designers. I have friends that are UI designers, graphic designers. This is what they do all day. Um, and I look at their skills and what they can output. And it, and, it and it proves to me that I'm not a designer. I have many design skills. Um, but I do, I, it, I make design kind of look hard. Like I have to iterate a lot. I'm not quick. I don't study it. Like I don't study a lot of other sure. designers work very often. So I'm very much consider myself an engineer that has just been surrounded by design for my whole career. And so it's like most of my engineering skills have been to facilitate some strong design sense that someone else had. Um, you can look at the open props website right now as like a, as a good example of like what my design look like, looks like, uh, honestly, I, I think it looks quite engineering driven. So for example, um, in typography land, are you familiar with the term rag, right? This is like a paragraph naturally is rag right. Like the characters go as much as they can and then they fold over and then they go as much as they can. And it creates this jagged edge on the right hand side. Mm -hmm. Scroll this website and look at the right edge. Kind of like this bump out or no? Kind of like that bump out. Now this one isn't, this is a centered section. It's like a hero section. But as you keep scrolling down, you'll see that everything is rag right. 
I just let the content flow out that way if it can, just like words in a paragraph. Um, I think of that like a developer workflow of design where um, the instead browser is naturally, instead of making everything a column, like there's no, there's no real columns um, because I'm letting everything just be like, in, it's its own intrinsic value. I'm just letting things fold out in their natural way. And to me, I'm okay having a rag right sure. design. Like, and I don't think many designers think that way or want that. They like their shared grid lines that go across everywhere. They even start that way usually. They start with a macro layout with a nice big set of columns. And I was like, I'm just going to let each content section just flow its own little way to the right as far as it can. You are so, like, wide screens of CSS engineering. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like that's a little good manifestation of my design. And, and like even the colors there, if you hover over those, you'll see like a fun little effect. Um, and cool. yeah, these oh, are like wow. just like tiny, tiny touches, right? That are, um, I love the little small CSS tweaks. That's cool. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit of a delay. And then the easing on there is one of the open props easing. And that's what's given that bounce. It's called, it's probably squish three or squish four. Um, and yeah, so it's like just combining all these little things together. So for me, a lot of my design is I would find other designers did that stuff maybe by accident. They would, and then I'd go implement it in the front end. I'd be like, wow, this was like four properties to get that really beautiful effect. And I just stashed this stuff over time until I got open props, which is kind of the result of me moving um, good shadows, moving good colors, moving good concepts and theories over and over and over again into new projects until I'm like, I have enough here that I think other people would be interested in. Um, but yeah, that my design sense is um, still very engineering oriented. And I do struggle when I get in a design tool because of all of my engineering skills to get creative and to do sure. things outside of the box. And that's why I like working with designers that don't code is they will think outside the box make something unique and interesting and challenge me. And um, it always ends up being a better product. And so, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's a whole left brain, right brain thing there. Like, even if you're in design and all of that, if if you think like outside non-engineering, those people are so inventive, it blows my mind. Like I can implement what they're thinking, but I can't think it. It's amazing. Yep. So. It takes a lot of creativity. It's it's hard to, I find myself not being as creative as like true designers. And I think that's why I didn't go through like the graphic design path. Cause it takes so much creativity to come up with those ideas that implementing it is more fun to me too. I totally get it. Yeah. That. I like bringing it to life. I've always <laughs> told designers, it's like my favorite thing. I'm like, I'm going to take your imagination and I'm going to make it real. And I just love that translation. Um, mm -hmm. And I like the the relationship that you build with someone that way too. And they get excited. As soon as it starts to become real, they're like, well, what can I do on hover? What can I do when someone tabs in and focuses? And you're like, anything you want, you know? You're like, um, yeah, that's fun. That's really cool. Um, so yeah, you, you started kind of explaining like you're working on, on some things and they kind of build up over time. And then it was like, oh, this, this could be a library. And I've already messed up the two atoms just for, for folks who, uh, I, mean, I cut that part out, but uh, there's this thing called Tailwind CSS, if you haven't heard of it. Pretty big package, utility package. This feels a lot like that, but a huge twist on it, right? Like using all the variables and uh, CSS variables that are CSS built in the browser. Um, can you just kind of talk through kind of the nuts and bolts and I'll, I'll bring up the, the Chrome debugger and maybe uh, show that too. And that might help people visually as well. Nice. Yeah. The colors are a really good thing to bring up in the Chrome debugger. Um, comparing open props to tailwind is a really um, it's like the first thing people do. And I think that's because tailwind on at first can feel like a sense, like a, a set of design tokens or a set of values. It's almost like, hey, use this class on here to make the color blue. And that's what Tailwind is like at first, but I think prolonged usage of Tailwind is acknowledgement that the classes are actually pre-made for you. It's it's There's values in the classes, but the fact that you work in your HTML exclusively, which for a lot of developers is where they're spending time in their templates and their components, Right, you spend a lot of time on your JSX. You spend a lot of time on your handlebars. You spend a lot of time, like in this template syntax, and having Tailwind be right there is one of its biggest advantages 
um, is just the workflow. And that in your style sheet never grows. So open props had a couple like interesting initial um, names. Like one of them was subatomic styles because <laughs> Tailwind is called an atomic utility class library yeah. because the class names are super tiny and they represent generally single use values. And what open props was like, open props is like, these are smaller, <laughs> you know, like they don't have a class name, so they don't need wrapped with anything. And they're just the value. They don't even have the property name with them, which means you can kind of use a value um, anywhere that the value is accepted. And so it had this like more nimbleness to it, but it also meant it was more primitive. It was more sure. uh, low level and didn't, it doesn't give you a lot of what tail. I think what a lot of people love about tailwind is the prebabe values, right? They're beautiful looking values, but it's the workflow. Sure. I think they just like yeah. working in their HTML. They don't have to leave to go to a separate file or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, the style sheet never grows. So open props doesn't have those promises. It does have the similar vibe of a whole bunch of really nice, good looking values. But I think what open props does that's unique to it is it leans heavily into, um, custom properties, which are incredibly powerful. These sort of like almost pseudo observable type that they are. Um, but it allows you to use these values anywhere CSS values go, which is like CSS and JS, any, pretty much any CSS place yeah. that you write CSS, open props can help you. You're and not so limited it, by it. Like, you don't have to put it in a class. You can use it in a style sheet by itself. You can use it in CSS modules. You can use it in a style tag in HTML. You can use it literally anywhere you want, or you can create the class put some CSS variables in that class and then use the class in your HTML. So you can literally use it anywhere. And in any way. Yeah. It's yeah. much more nimble. It's almost like it take, it took some of the soul um, that Tailwind has in terms of like beauty and this sort of ease of making something beautiful, um, but took away some of, some of its superpowers in a trade-off for a little bit easier usage across a wider spectrum of use cases. And so like even the most recent Tailwind that came out went all in on its JIT um, scenario, which is like, it'll add classes to the style sheet as you use them, which is mm -hmm. a very cool feature. Uh, Open Props has something similar, but it also comes with a bunch of architecture setup baggage, you know, like you, it's, it's pretty intense to set up these days versus uh, Open Props where like, you can you can import the properties from a CDN in any type of web page and then just start using them. It's like zero config, zero yeah. build times. Uh, just go use them right now. It's um, native, yeah, you, you, right? I mean, it's the CSS spec offers you these things. And I think the yeah. similarity to Tailwind is that they're both kind of like a pre-baked design system, if you will. Like it, it gives you those colors, defaults, those shadows you were talking about those transitions that are good in that system so the, there's where the similarities kind of end though in that open props is native you can use it anywhere in any way that you want tailwind has its classes that it gives you for the atomic utility css so i think they're similar for they provide you that design system up front that you want to use Yep. Different workflows, similar design system. And yeah, open props goes even further with like the keyframes it ships. It ships animations, but it ships them as keyframe effects, which is not a common CSS thing that people know that you can do where you ship um, one keyframe. Most people make a keyframe and they go 0% to 100%, or maybe they'll say from and to, or they'll add three I didn't or four know you keyframes. could do that. You can say just two. You can also say just from and what this uh superpower allows you to do is combine them together yeah so you can say from this keyframe to this keyframe and these are both named you can be like fade out and slide in so you can uh, from a fade out so it's kind of like a from being oh. out you come in uh and then slide in and so anyway open props lets you it gives you all these effects there's like 20 of them and you can make tons and tons of, there's like a matrix of combinations of animations that you can make just with the keyframe effects. And they all come with easing. So you got custom bouncing easing, custom elastic easing. Um, and it really is this like atomic keyframe animation framework in there. If you want to think of it that way. So just oh, the animations cool. and the easings are at this atomic level that I haven't seen another library ship. Um, that yeah. really give you a lot of flexibility in building something animated. 
I'm yeah. actually really excited to try that. I work a lot with Spelt and Spelt has where you can add in the transitions and you can do transition in and a different transition out. So you could use those CSS props and do yes, those different. Oh, that's so incredible. Let me, let me send you a link uh, of something I made for, for folks. Oh, they're in the demo site. If you scroll to the bottom of the animation section, uh, <laughs> there's three demos there. You can see they're kind of neat. Oh, nice. Let me, but before, I made a, before I jump that far, I just want to show kind of people what we're talking about a little bit. Yeah. Here. So yeah, that's a good point. Was, we haven't done that much yet. We've been using our imaginations. <laughs> no, we, got, we got super excited and just kept going. Um, I, so I wanted to show just kind of a quick example of what we're talking about. So in, in this little blob, I'll call it this gradient blob. Um, so this green area right here, this is in this before attribute. And you'll notice right now what we're going after is this dash dash gradient dash 30. So you kind of think to yourself, like, where the heck is that coming from? If you go back up to your body, you can look on the root and find all of these different, like, attributes that are out. Attributes, right word, wrong word, I don't know. Um, you, can, you can find all these properties out there. And you'll see, like, all these different gradients that you can go out and use. Um, use two. I was going to use 13 because it's really close to our color. Oh, I thought two was close to our colors. Oh, okay. I'll try it. Nice. <laughs> So if I'm I definitely going to say, like, try two. some others on. It's really fun. <laughs> so pop over here, and Brittany wants two. Just try, like this. try 13, because I want to see the difference now. Okay, okay. That's not as close now that you're... Oh, 13 wasn't 12? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> two is perfect. Brittany's, Brittany's always right. I should just listen to her. You could try other blobs, too, while you're there. You know, what's blob two yeah. versus blob one? Exactly. Exactly. So let's two. Well, that's like more circle-ish. Oh, it's going the other way. All kinds of stuff, which is amazing. All kinds of stuff. Like it's it's super cool to check this stuff out. Um, and kind of, uh, I'll scroll back up to the top here and close this a minute and make this a little bigger for everyone. Um, kind of what Adam was talking about as we we're going through here, just all these predefined things that are driven out here. So if I open up animation CSS, or since we were just looking at like colors, here's all it is. Like this is all that's in there. And that's why it's so small when it's shipped. It's just a few predefined things for the variables to actually go out to, right? And I think I saw something yeah. on Twitter that you can actually hook up um, post CSS and have it purge the stuff you're not using, right? Is it post CSS? Oh, it, it gets even better than that. Yeah, I'd love to talk about the JIT props integration oh, at some props. point, but yeah. Yes. Cool. So... So kind of just keeping in context, now we've sh we've shown this off. I think Adam wanted me to kind of go down to the site. Yeah, there's all sorts of cool stuff to show in there. Oh, yeah, the you just animation. passed the animation. There's a navigation sticky at the very bottom, too, in case you want to just click yeah, those items. The thing is. Oh, oh. On the oh, bottom. Yeah, fixed totally, on the window. Totally didn't even see that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Animations. So all right, folks, so there's all the pre-baked the ones. Plan. Use these. Yeah. <laughs> and look at the usage. It just says animation colon var animation fade in forwards, you know, so that way it fades in and then stays there, which is generally what you want to happen. And that's what it does. Fade out. Scale up. And yeah, here's, so those are all just, so those are, yeah, again, um, keyframes. They're, they live alone. They only say one part of the animation and scroll underneath there and you'll see combining them, which is, I think, where it gets really exciting. For sure. This is really cool. So you do animation and then you have the fade out and then a, or is that fade out and then slide out? Yeah. So that first one um, fades out and slides out down. And since it uses the animation timing function ease squish three, uh, it has that sort of bouncy effect on it. Oh, sweet. Oh, okay. I see. Like it kind of comes in and then goes back. Yeah, it goes. It's like at that Disney principles where it sort of like yeah. springs its way out before it goes in. Love it. Yeah, and so you can. That's you can, a fun one. You can just go to town on these too. Like you can keep adding and add some timings and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, check out the easing section. Um, I think that's a huge value out here, which is like normally you have ease, ease in, ease out. Um, Open props gives you five eases. They're five wow. strengths, so you can do a, a you know a gentle ease or a strong ease. And here's ease ins, here's ease outs. And so, um, and then the unique ones there are squish and elastic. 
Um, and I think and a lot of a people like they, they think, oh, this is all done with JavaScript and there's all this code and stuff like that. You can do all this in the browser. Like this is in just CSS. It's them, native. <laughs> That's one and of the most don't powerful have to know, things yeah. about CSS props is that you can like the HSL values, you could individually select the hue, saturation and lightness values and you can make each of those a prop and then you can change them individually. You could just create your colors off of just one hue, saturation, lightness value. <laughs> it is. It is awesome. And that's sort of what, yeah, again, like I wanted just to take all these magical values because there's so many powerful values and give them a name. Oh, go to the gradients and check out the, um, oh yeah, there's the color theming section there, but check out the grainy gradients. They're just below that. Oh, ah. so cool. Noise. Gotta love you noise. Kind of, yeah, so, noise. And, the, and so that it ships one with like some filters. Layer. Yeah, it looks like a lens flare. We I shipped yeah. some SVG filters in a custom prop, so I tucked the entirety of an SVG turbulence effect into a prop, and then I just let you apply it to a gradient and then go apply some other filters that kind of cause some exaggerated contrast, which forces more graininess. And so you kind of get this uh, sense of turning something into a grain, and it's very satisfying. This is why we call you the CSS wizard. <laughs> normal people cannot do this stuff with CSS. That's, That's kind of the so point cool. too, is I want people to be able to do this stuff. And yeah, yeah, and it should be as easy as just knowing the name of some property. And so, yeah, I'm discovering. And um, that's why I like the, some of the future stuff we'll talk about is like masks. Masks are super powerful. They take wizards to make. Um, and so I'm going to go create and, and with other people, make a bunch of masks and give them to you by a name, like scalloped edge on the right. <laughs> And then you can just right? drop you that in. And that's it. it. You just drop it in. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Scalloped please. edges, little pointy edges. we got notched corners. We've got yes. squared out corners. We've got everything. And it, it's really fun. Like, that's this, the goal of this library is just make it accessible. Take this super-powered, weirdo string of code and just give it a name. And then, in some cases, give it, like, a one, two, and a three. So, like, if it's, like, a, a notched corner, it'd be, like, tiny notch. Uh, it's like Goldilocks, you know, you got like your baby notch, your mama notch and your daddy notch. You got three <laughs> notches. Uh, and how many more could you need? If you need more, then open up your console, steal the line of code and go change the size to whatever you need. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm hoping it just really makes all this stuff like It's like using border radius, yeah. but on superpowers. <laughs> yeah, that's what the uh, blobs are. The blobs are superpowered border radiuses. They use the extended syntax that not oh. many people know exists. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, here, I want to bring up just kind of some more samples here. Um, let's see, pagination. So some great examples out here as well, just to kind of show how CSS is used again. And here's here's the actual like setup for it. It looks like yeah, sass. It does a little bit, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, it's got the nesting, the post CSS nesting in there. It does have the nesting in there. I hear that's coming to CSS soon, though. It is. And that nesting that we're seeing there is the official spec syntax. Oh, so it's going to so look exactly like the matches the spec. Fantastic. Yeah. Nice. But I, I do like that the, um, you know, color values, nothing is a mystery. You've heard of things called, like, magic units. Um, this is, like, in CSS where you've got, like, 2.5 rem oh, or yeah. 14, 13 pixels instead of 14. And you're like why is this th yeah and th there's just like magic units that just magically worked for that and it's always nice if you take a magic unit put it in a custom property and name it based on its purpose and it makes your code more legible it takes the mysteries mm -hmm. and the secrets out of it and open props almost kind of gives you that by, by default you're like size one is going to be a small size um blue zero or blue one is going to be a very light colored blue yeah. and you can just read through the, you don't have to know hex to know that that's a blue you know, if you want to go adjust it, you don't have to go open up the dev tools and pick a color and then just the color picker. You're just like, I need it to be darker. So I'm going to bump the number up. I'm going to go to blue four and see if I you like You don't need four. IntelliSense in VS Code to like show you the color on the hex value or even with HSL, you still have to know kind of the hue value, even though the lightness will change. Yeah. You have to know. Yeah, that's really smart. It makes it declarative. So you know what you're using. Yeah, it like just it. is like this like legibility bonus um from using these preset um properties and yeah oh yeah it's lots of little interesting implications so yeah 
Yeah. Something else I was wondering about too is do you you use a normalize in open props, right? What's the difference between normalize and reset? And then there's a CSS remedy too, is what I use a lot that Jen Simmons and the CSS working group were creating that for a while. I don't know if it's still being worked on, but I wondered your take on what the differences are in those and why normalize. Absolutely. Yeah. So open props ships with a normalize. And the reason is is okay, so a reset. Um sets and kind of strips all of the maybe browser unique styles off of a, mm -hmm. um, inputs and paragraphs and things like that. So it'll take your font sizes, it'll take your input colors and stuff like that. And it tries to put them down to a common baseline um, in a like a stripped down way. And a normalize attempts to kind of be an opinionated um, set of styles that take all of the inputs and all the paragraphs and stuff and give them a healthy baseline like it's a little bit more designed. So normalize has these opinions. It will, um, yeah, it, it manifests itself in open props here in that the normalize takes the summary details element and makes it like a nice looking element that looks like it expands and contracts. It's not just a set of black text right. and a little arrow yeah. and, and it makes it adaptive. So the normalize of open props uses the props. So it's very dog foody and it uses all those properties to create a style sheet that if you just drop it on a page that you're getting started on something new, it's a minimal set of healthy adaptive. So like light and dark themed um, styles to begin kick off, kicking off an HTML project. So it styles every HTML element in that normalize and it gives them an opinionated, healthy, minimal default um, to build upon for the rest of your application. So, so that's a normalize you yeah. created for open props. Yeah, that's a custom okay. normalize I hand wrote for um, open props. It's awesome. kind of for myself. <laughs> I mean, but I'm but I open source it. I'm like, hey, use that's it. I know there's other popular yeah. normalizes. Um, but yeah, this one uses all the props. And so the style sheet is nice and uh, it just looks like a an open prop style sheet. But yeah, that's how I see the difference there. And there's lots of really good resets and normalizes to go pick from right now. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, so we often talk about this. It's, it's kind of what, like our last question. Why do people hate CSS? Is it just because they don't understand it? Is it because it's hard? Like there's always, even even myself, like I just struggle with CSS. Like what's the deal there is? And I guess a leading question, will open props help with that? Interesting. I hope open props helps with it. If it doesn't, um, I'd be really confused at how it wasn't making a lot of choices easier. But then again, like open props is so primitive and low level that maybe it's not solving um, developer experience issues for you. Like if you like working in your templates and you liked having the preset class names, there's no naming done for you um, in terms of like your class names. So it'd be nice. So in that case, we'll like, yeah, go CSS modules. Um, but I don't know. I think, I hope it makes it easier because it does limit the amount of the world that you have to think about in terms of CSS but it doesn't give you any layout uh, props yet, uh, which is something that I think a lot of people really struggle with is they just want two boxes side by side. How hard could it be? And then they get in there and they're like, dang it, it's really hard. Uh, now I'm annoyed. Um, I think that CSS has been everyone's favorite scapegoat for so long. It's just a continued running joke that everyone gets frustrated writing code. And so maybe you're learning Rust, maybe you're learning TypeScript, maybe you're just learning JavaScript, which is really frustrating for people at first, or you're learning CSS. Um, CSS just sort of like, it's almost like when you were at school and there was like something that was okay to make fun of, so everyone just made fun of it. And CSS has just been stuck in that for a long time. Mm -hmm. I also think it, um, just like you get in a car or you look at art and art looks easy to do. And then as soon as you try it, you get really frustrated that you can't draw you know, and like CSS has that vibe where like I made the text color red, but now I need X, Y, Z and I have to really learn the language. And that's, I don't know, it, we just haven't as a community made it as important as it needs to be. And so mm -hmm. people are just, they cast it aside, they, they project on it like it's easy. And then when it's not, that makes it extra frustrating. Um, I, I look at it like any other language. They all, I, I bang around, you know, side to side in all of them. None of them are easy. Um, and yeah, you know, the amount of whack-a-mole you have to play is the same as in JavaScript. Like you made a perfect JavaScript function and then it goes to production and now it needs to account for edge case one and edge case two. And now your perfect looking little JavaScript function is covered in if statements so that it's battle ready. And that's what happens to your CSS too, right? You're like, 
Look at my perfect class. It's so nice. And then you <laughs> test on some other device. And you're like, oh, man, I have to go add this thing. And then it just sort of piles on you. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think it's a combination of like, it's easy to learn, really hard to master. It hasn't been consistently rewarded in our industry. You know, like it's not on the hiring documents as like a high paid thing. And so people want to cast it aside. Honestly, though, I think in the long term, CSS will become the most important. So I think we're going to see over time as architecture behaviors, all these things sort of get normalized or pre-baked and we sort of like settle down the part that people are going to want to change is how it looks and how it feels. The UX will become more important than the engine over time, uh, which means CSS will become more important. I love yeah. it. That's such a great description of it all. I, I really enjoy that. I, I think as a, as a programmer, like coming from that aspect or a background, uh, a backend programmer, I kind of always lean on the fact that like it, it's a little confusing for me because of the cascading part of it. And I think that might have been, you know, what was difficult in the past. And I think libraries like this make it a little easier because you can kind of get more finite with what you I want. I was going to say that too. It matters like where, if your specificity is off, like <sighs> that could make it more difficult or. Um... I, I think what's, what's like, you know, in a traditional programming language, Two plus two is always going to be four. Well, in CSS, I made the page blue, but why did it turn red in this box down here? Like things like that get a little. little yeah. That the browser on, issues. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to say is the browsers and having the different browsers and them not all being on the same page has made it difficult for a long time where it's hard to know, like if you needed the special thing that Safari needs to do something or Firefox was different. And so that's made it more difficult for people to style for a while. And maybe it's made it this just running joke, like you said. I think there's two more things too. Y'all are tapping on them. Um, like one of them is the target of CSS is a human. And yeah, if you're a backend dev, your two plus two hits that same server every single time you don't have, and then you talk about browsers, you don't have to hit your endpoint doesn't have to suffice three different servers. It's not like a Ruby server, yeah. a Python server and a node server all need to take your requests in the same way. If you did, you'd probably dislike aspects of a backend role. Um, and on the front end, not only do we have to make multiple browsers happy, we have to make people happy and they are so much harder than a <laughs> server. You know, like, a, I, th I think that's what a lot of people love about programming is they don't have to interface with people is they program for something that's easy to understand. It's blunt, um, you know, and it's consistent and humans aren't. So you could spend yeah. all day on your CSS, making something look beautiful, match a design, and then humans show up and they go, it doesn't feel right. right. And that's frustrating. Um, and the, the server doesn't do that. The server is your friend. It's constant. And it's uh, <laughs> anyway, so I think. All of these factors make CSS extra hard. It's extra to deal with. And furthermore, it's always got the tightest time crunch. It's always at the end of a crappy timeline. We're never given enough time to code. And CSS, the front end, is perceived as easy by everyone for some reason. I still don't know why we as an industry think the front end is easy. So we push it off to the end. And in the very end, it gets this tiny sliver to get all the work done. And it just never is enough time. So you're already frustrated. You're sitting there anyway, building for multiple targets, plus a human, plus probably a keyboard and a screen reader. And you're just like, <laughs> I hate this. It was so much easier on the back end where I wrote my function and wrote a unit test and I was done, you know? Like, right, right. No, I, I think we're we're kind of approaching a new time too, where like browser support for all of this kind of stuff with CSS variables and everything else, but the testing tools are are coming along too. So there's a lot yeah. of parts and pieces that were never there that are finally like there. I think it, it we're in the best place we've ever been with CSS, yeah. and it's getting Thanks better every day. Yeah. So it, it'll only get better, but I think we're in a really good spot, which yes. is exciting for once. Hopefully, everybody's going to come. I feel around. empowered. Yes, yep, for sure. <laughs> Cool. Uh, before we switch gears, any last thoughts on open props that I'm just not bringing up or forgetting? Uh, let's see. I mean, there were some cool features in the, but yeah, just go to the doc site. You'll see them there. I'd like to tease some of the stuff coming down the, the pipeline. So yeah, one of them was masks. Um, and those are going to do all sorts of really interesting things. Also clip paths. So um, if you've ever made a clip path, there's all sorts of shapes that you can make, but you have to go write the points for them. 
And mm -hmm. so I'm going to go name all these things. I'll give you a star. You can just go like clip path, var, clip path, star. You know, like why can't it be that easy? So I'm just going to go name all these mysterious, amazing clip paths uh, and ship those for you in a little bundle. So you can import all these clip paths. Oh, JIT props was something to talk about. Yes. Um, where JIT props is a concept where it will just in time add the property that you just used in your style sheet to your um, style sheet root. So on discovery, it finds them, puts them in the document, which is the opposite of purge or purge would be you'd stuck all the props in and then you go at a build time, go kind of cross reference and shake out what was unused. JIT props from the ground up will only add what you do use. Um, and it makes for a really nice workflow because you've got this pool of potential, like all these powerful tokens, but you don't have to deliver that weight to the, the client. Yeah. You just... As you use them, it goes and gathers them all up and says, here's the ones you used. And you, know, you, you don't have 5%. to worry about a build step. You don't have to worry about like configuring all of that. Uh, just... It does need a build step though. Post CSS oh, is involved okay. in JIT props. Yeah. So <laughs> JIT props is a post CSS plugin. And yeah, th that's how it knows what's happening is okay. as you type styles um, and post CSS processes them, which turns them into tokens and all sorts of stuff. It calls my plugin JIT props. And it said, and basically JIT props is like, is this a variable? Yes or no? If it okay. is, I'm interested. And then it cross-references um, against a pool of properties that you supply to the plugin. So it's like, um, and JIT props and open, open props comes as a JavaScript object, JSON tokens or CSS. And the JavaScript object can be passed right to the JIT props plugin, which okay. then uses that as the pool that it will go um, find values from as you ah, use them. Uh, and yeah, it makes a super minimal style sheet. Um, and it kind of fun workflow, but yeah, at the cost of a build step. So some people have been like, you should lead with JIT props. And I'm like, I don't want to lead with build tools. I want to, I want people to level, like if the phase that they're in is that's what they're doing, then they can step up into that. But I want it to be much more approachable. What is the so. size of open props? If you didn't use that with all of the variables there? It's like three and a half kilobytes, something like that. Broadly compressed. Okay mega tiny uh and then yeah you can go get individual um bundles as you want to nice that's really cool all right well with all of that said we are going to shift over to our perfect picks now and because i forgot the entire time i'm gonna put up Brittany's new uh overlay for us Boop. oh my yeah. bad <laughs> i forgot to put it up there it is perfect that dev folks okay adam <laughs> You are up first with your first pick. Ah, GUI challenges. These are where every month I say, here's my thinking on a component. I am not the, I don't think there's one way to build components. I revel in how much flexibility and how much expression we have as a community. So here's not me saying this is the best split button in the world. Uh, it's me saying, hey, I, th I thought really deeply about a split button. Here's my thoughts. Um, fork it, share it, remix it, tell me how you do it. And together we'll build a greater knowledge base about how to accomplish these component tasks because we'll crowdsource uh, everyone together. And uh, that's where every month I share those. This last uh, one was on a toast. Uh, you're looking at the split button one and the next one coming out is a theme switcher. So when you do like a light to dark theme switcher, I have an animated sun and moon that we'll build in the next one. That's really cool. That's and what, for those who are not on video, uh, I'm going to play a little audio snippet for you because this is the identical animated version of it. Welcome to another episode of GUI Challenges, where I build interfaces my way, and then I challenge you to do it your way. So that is animated, Adam. <laughs> and, and real Adam was doing the voiceover also on video. <laughs> <laughs> you That's awesome. See that. That's a really cool project. Uh, your second pick. Second pick. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention the GUI challenges all have articles and code with them. So they're not just yeah. video. This is it. I feel like is it's a nice combo. That there, is. Right? Somewhere. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Read along, try a demo, get the source. Definitely. Cool. cool. And I think so. The videos do a lot of show and the articles do a lot of tell. So yeah. um, that's the, the way that those come together. And people seem to um, learn in different ways. So that provides like different access to different people, however you prefer to learn. So it's awesome. Yep. And if the code snippets were hard to read in the video, they're all on GitHub. They're in web.dev and a different theme, all sorts of stuff. Yep. That is so cool. 
Uh, oh, this is Learn CSS. So Learn CSS is, um, I get asked often, uh, hi, I'm new to the web and I want to start building stuff. Where do I get started? Um, and I, you know, ask them questions about like, okay, well, are, are you building something for someone right now? Because if that's the case, you should probably go for quick wins. People that are beginning like to feel successful quickly. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I'll point them towards some quick wins, which would be like bootstrap or tailwind or something that like helps them feel like they get off the ground running quickly. But if they want to study CSS and like dig into those skills specifically, we like to send them here to learn CSS where uh, Yuna and I spent a lot of time on a CSS podcast where we would go through very specific CSS properties and go through the specs and do our best to make the specs approachable and digestible to normal people because <laughs> they're kind of dense. And through doing that, we created this kind of learning workflow where you start with the box model and you get all the way down to, you know, CSS transforms and stuff like that. And what we did with Learn CSS is we made articles for every single podcast episode. So that way you could tangibly interact with the properties. You could learn and see things and not just listen. And that's why at the top of every one of these um, articles, you'll see the um, podcast is there. So if you want, you can listen to the podcast and scroll along and kind of see things as they go. And so, yeah, this is, again, this is us trying to empower folks, maybe starting from ground zero or just wanting to revamp or revisit some topics and go over them pretty deeply, but not too deeply. It's like, it tries to be on the edge of um, approachable for beginners, but it has uh, interesting stuff for advanced folks, but that's what Learn CSS is. I'm really so cool. glad that y'all did this. And this is kind of burning my perfect pick, but I'm picking the CSS podcast because I started listening to it nice. from the very beginning. And Yay. when I started listening to it, I was like, oh, this needs a visual to go along with it. So for a few episodes there, I was doing a blog post on Dev.2 to go along and show the visuals of what you were talking about. on. I CSS remember podcast. seeing those posts. Yeah. And so I did that for a while until I got burnt out on writing and I got super busy. So I stopped doing them. But then I'm so glad that you continued that and made this whole project around it. And I do this. So the CSS podcast is my perfect, one of my perfect picks. And Adam and Yuna are great. They explain each individual thing in CSS in detail in each episode. I think it's fantastic and gives you just more understanding and knowledge, especially like the specificity episode where you play the game, like who wins. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, it's so great. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great podcast. And it's it's funny too. <laughs> We're like cheerleaders for CSS. Yeah. Like how are they so excited about I, types and color? I don't know. I get it. It's really cool. So. Um, Brittany, since that was yeah, your first my pick. second pick is Adam sit down with Swix, Sean Wang. Oh, and they got nice. to talk about way more than we had time to talk about here, which I kind of wanted to get a little into complexity cliffs and we didn't have time, but go and watch this because they go into some in-depth crazy discussions about like developer experience, why design systems are hard, complexity cliffs, disruption of web design. And it was a really great listen also. So oh, that's amazing. You. I haven't watched that one yet. I'll pick that up. I enjoyed that talk with, with Sean. That was, yeah. yeah, I needed to get some of those thoughts out. I appreciated him asking. He's an incredible guy where he can like talk to you about things and just bring some stuff out that you didn't even know like you were thinking. <laughs> but yeah. he's, he's a really hard worker too. Love it. Crazy yeah. smart. Yeah. Uh, my first pick is we just released this at work. So this is probably the first episode I've really talked about it, but I had switched over to become a developer advocate at Builder.io. Uh, Builder.io is nice. a visual headless CMS. And it's really cool because uh, there's a whole podcast, so I won't, I won't ruin that. It's coming up. Uh, actually, it would have already come up. See, we're a little messed up here on, <laughs> on recording. Um, but you should have already seen what uh, Builder does. Uh, the interesting part, though, is we've released two open source projects. Um, and I'll, I'll probably talk about them off and on through the, throughout the podcast because I'm so excited about them. Uh, one of them is called Quick, and it's a new new framework. We just uh, released podcasts on that um, a couple mm -hmm. months ago, and you would have uh, kind of heard all about that from Mishko, who who created Angular. He's creating this new one, so you don't have to ship like like 
the JavaScript doesn't have to mangle and like all that stuff. It comes as HTML. And then only when you interact with it, does the JavaScript kind of start to come into play. So that's first part. The party town part of this takes all of your third party scripts and ships them off the main thread and it moves it all off to a web worker. So instantly on our builder IO page, which is what this, this blog post is about, we went to 100% because basically it's just an HTML page and all of this other stuff kind of comes along afterwards, but we still have all the benefits of it. So we're still, we're, we still have JavaScript out there. We still have analytics running, all that fun stuff, but with this great performance. So I thought it was really cool. Uh, check out the blog post and uh, I'm sure you'll be hearing more and more out of Builder just because I'm so excited about it. I love that. Very cool. Uh, my second one because at the time we're recording this Spider-Man the third one is coming out Uh, so I went back and watched Spider-Man Far From Home and I have to say like I always kind of dogged this movie a little bit but having watched it like not having watched it in a while uh, going back I really enjoyed it Um, it, it's been a little while I always thought it was kind of cheesy like with the the fakeness of it but man it's it's super cool when you think about how much work went into all of the animations and everything else in that movie and the storyline i think is good to like continue to the next one so that's my other pick nice yeah super crazy exciting (laughs) wild times oh let's see if i can get the view right with the perfect dev my son is super excited yeah your head is underneath it now my son is super excited for the spider-man movie so i might have to rewatch that one too yeah, I watched the two in the series, so I'm ready. I want to go Thursday, but we'll we'll see if I can sneak it in or not. Awesome. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. Open Props sounds amazing. It's, it looks like you're just going to keep releasing more and more pieces of it. I love how small it is, so you can just kind of implement what you need as you go along. And I can't wait to see where you're going to take this whole project. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Thanks. Really. Thanks so much. I forgot to mention, too, it was almost called props oh i was gonna have, yeah. a, was gonna have a kitten as the the logo oh <laughs> and then you're like there's that perfect podcast. i almost named kitten. the title of this podcast open props too and <laughs> i need to change it <laughs> i just i i wanted it to bring it back to you though because open props is the name of your library so i wanted to make sure we got that in there but <laughs> Perfect problem. Anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks again, Adam. We're just really gonna keep going with like that joke. So. <laughs> we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. It was awesome. I love getting people to talk more about CSS. I'm glad that you're able to promote CSS and make it more accessible to people. Cool. So I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks again. Yeah, Take care. Thanks.